Welcome to episode 43 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry, and this is Tracy. Hey, so right off the bat, I need somebody to tell me what that song means. I must pick up every stitch. What does that mean? I don't get it. That's because you obviously don't sew. Well, I thought that had to do with it, but then I'm like, well, what's dumb? What's it going to be sewing and talking about a witch? I think it has to do with that cartoon, that Lilo and Stitch cartoon. Because like if Lilo was, or uh, I don't know which is which. Stitch. Stitch. I don't know either. I don't know what that song means. If anybody knows, because I, you know, I just don't know, so it don't make no sense to me. But what else is new? Okay. But hey, guys. So we are excited to be back with you guys, and we've got an awesome story for you. Also, uh, a little earlier today, I was on uh, the podcast for "Don't Break the Oath" that'll be coming out next week. So if you guys listen to them, you'll hear me on there uh, next week talking about Spring Hill Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to make uh, one of my famous jokes on there because they said uh, he only attacked women, and I said, "Well, if he attacked women or uh, men, that he would be high heeled Jack." <laughs> oh. <laughs> you just made that up on the fly, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> so, anyways, um, don't you think they hear enough of you as it is? You would think, you would think, but okay. apparently not. All right, go ahead. So let's go. We got we finished our uh, released our first listeners episode for. Uh, uh, Patreon. So we had Sarah Roscoe on. We had Jackie Getz. We had uh, Molly Frias, and we had Gene. Uh, I always mispronounce his name. I think it's High, but we had Gene on. And uh, so far, everybody who's heard it said it was a fantastic episode. So we're already getting started on the next one. So if you guys have any stories that you would like to tell on air, or if you just want to send it to us and don't want to be on the air but want us to read it, send it to our email or send it to our Facebook page uh, on our uh, messenger on there, mm-hmm. and we'll. Be sure to get back in touch with you because we're going to start recording those in the next couple of weeks. And if you send it by a story, Jerry never lets me read. Why you don't let me read? Have you heard your acting or your reading? I can read. Did you hear the commercial that we put out that we gave to Just a Story podcast? What do you mean? Well, it sounded like, you know, one of these, oh, yes, I do remember. <laughs> Don't make me have to tell these people about your your acting experience. I've come a long way. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I remember. 
See how about that? That was better, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I got you, boo. I, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, Anyways, so I'm going to give a couple of quick shout outs. First and foremost, to our military and uh, everybody across the world that uh, does civil service type work, policemen, fire department, EMS. Thank you guys for what you do. And prayers, our prayers are with all you guys in London. I'm telling you, this is so ridiculous. But we we are saying prayers for you guys. And I just want to go punch somebody in the face over there, whoever's doing that, because come on now. It's yeah, you ridiculous. guys, you guys have really been hit hard over the past month. So. Uh, keep your heads up, and uh, hopefully uh, everybody can start getting these things straight across the globe. A couple quick shout-outs. Uh, Lily Ordonez. I know, I know she thinks I'm pronouncing her name wrong, but I guarantee I'm not. Well, how do you know? No, I'm, I think she thought I was going to pronounce it wrong, but I think, oh, I, think I, I got it. I think I got that one. Dean Carrington in Utah. Uh, Missy Devania in uh, Louisville. Uh, Cherie Hester Jackson in Love Louisville. Love you, Cherie. A.K.A. Camel Toe. Um, <laughs> Some iTunes reviews. We had uh, Paula sent us one. Tony T. Uh, Les Lib. I'm not sure if I'm reading too Les much into Lib. that. Uh, Cole 66. Uh, Chelsea Carter. Chelsea Carter. Deleon. Yeah, she's a patron. It's a supporter. That's right. No, I think I know somebody named that, though. Seriously. Yeah, not her, though. Chelsea, our Patreon supporter. No, no. I mean, I know her. But Unless the other like... person donates money to us, she's dead to us. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a little rude. <laughs> Deleon0515. Uh, K. Hager, 4343. Celeste Seymour. Uh, K. Lucille. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. Blankeny. C.O. Two one three, and they're actually uh, they they're in the navy, I believe. So nice, um, thank you guys for protecting us. We appreciate y'all. God bless you. Southern Heathen, that's another one. That's a my kind of person. I was gonna say I know a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, real quick for Patreon, here's the new Patreon supporters we have for the week: uh, Tina Aller, uh, Lisa Marie Nieto, Julie Coleman, uh, Darren Barry, Chelsea Carter, and Julie Bernard. Thank you guys so Love much. Love you we guys so much. It. Thank you. Uh, we, I, I, I kind of left off an iTunes review because, uh, this one's uh, kind of important, but I'm going to revisit it now. Debris Hut. Uh, we had a lot of fun with that one last week. That was the infamous three-star rating that said Tracy was ignorant. And though I tend to agree in most cases, <laughs> I did not think that that was completely warranted. And so we had fun with it. <laughs> The entire podcast. Uh, I actually heard from Miss Hutt. That's not really her name, but for the sake of this, yeah. we'll call her Miss Hutt. Mm-hmm. Um, super, super it's nice. Very, very sweet. And we, we talked back and forth on email for uh, uh, probably a couple of hours, and she um, explained herself. I explained myself, and when it was all said and done, it was a big kumbaya, and, um, you know, she she didn't mean any harm in it. Like, and we knew, we, we knew she did, and that's why we had fun with it on the episode, but... Um, in the in the end, she got a chance to voice uh, what she thought her concerns were, and and uh, she f- reposted her review to a five star review. So we greatly appreciate that. Yes, thank you, doll. We appreciate you. And um, you know, thank you for being a good sport. Yeah, you are like a good said, sport. We, we were just having some fun with it. That's what we do. That's Sometimes how- Jerry's full of himself. I'm, in case y'all did not notice that. No, so. stop it. I know it's hard to believe, but um. I can't remember what next week's episode's about, but it's unimportant because uh, 
the important thing about next week's episode is that the girls from And That's Why We Drink are going to join us. Oh, cool. So uh, we'll have some fun with Christine and them next week. Nice. I can't wait. This week's story, and I'm, and I'm in the process. If you guys have stories that you want us to kind of look into, I've got a boatload of stories already, so that's not that big a deal. But if you guys have something and, and I find it super interesting, I kind of move it to the front of the list. Uh, so if you got some uh, ideas you want us to check on or some stories that we may not have heard from, of from your neck of the woods, throw it to us and uh, I'll start doing some investigating on it. Did you say boats and hoes? I did not say boats and hoes. What did you say? I said boatloads. Oh, boats and hoes. I guess boats technically that could be like if it's a yacht, that's a whole bunch of stories. And if it's like oh, a rowboat, it's not true. near as many that's stories. That's true. Very so. true. Yeah, we can, we can hardly wait. If you guys want to send us some stories, that would be great. So we're going to jump right into this story because there's a lot of details that go on. And I think with this story, uh, what's going to be the most interesting is I think everybody knows about the Salem witch trials uh, that as far as they exist. I don't think a lot of people have many details on it. Yeah, uh, be for, interested. For example, um, and I'll throw this out your way. How, in your opinion, from everything you've ever heard, how do most witches get killed? Um. My assumption is they were burned at the stake. And that's probably going to be most people's assumptions. And with the whole Salem witch trial, not one person was burned at the stake. Well, thank you, Lord, because that's horrible. Well, how they died wasn't much less horrible. But at the same time, uh, we'll get into that a little bit. But there were witches that were burned at the stake uh, and some pagans and stuff like that. We'll get into that. But for this actual uh, situation in Salem, there were no witches burned at the stake. Okay. So, but they did burn them at the stake in England and uh, some of the other witch hunts that that went on. But oh, okay. not in this one. So let's talk about what a witch is. And I know most people think they know what a witch is. Uh, they think they probably have striped um, socks hanging out from underneath the house. <laughs> but it's that's uh, you know you got that opinion of a witch, and everybody sees the Halloween witches and and. Uh, then you've got today's version of witches, which are like the, the Wiccans and stuff like that that practice white magic, or the pagans, which pretty much are uh, into nature uh, more than they are actual gods and mm-hmm. stuff. They're just more the the land and the earth. But for all, all the reasons for this story, we're going to talk about what witchcraft was back in basically the 17th century. So witchcraft uh, is seen during this time got its roots in folk magic. And, you know, this goes all the way back to since before prehistoric time. People believed that you could use spells and charms and that would help your crops and it was uh, would help in fertility situations, help heal the sick, and you could use it to even take revenge on somebody. Uh, and the, the early pagan god, one of them, uh, was half man, half goat. And early Christians decided they were going to add the wings of a fallen angel to him, and that's how you get the image the Christians used early on as Satan. So that's for real. Half man, half goat. But that's what one of the early pagan gods. Wow. That's what it was. Yeah. And it's the same thing we've talked about before, like in the rock right. and roll and the occult shows yeah. and stuff with like in like Pan and mm-hmm. and all them the half man, half goat. But you'll see the image of Satan all the time, most of the time as, you know, the, the goat hooves and the, mm-hmm. the horns and uh the wings and that's where this came from. Um so you kind of go back, like I said, that the Christians did that because they really had a problem with the pagans, and they felt like that, you know, mm-hmm. what the pagans did was Satan worshiping to them, even though that may not have been the case. That's the way the Christians felt because it wasn't the way they believed. Um, they felt like Satan needed several people to do his evil bidding, 
And what he would do was he would recruit young women to become witches. He would basically approach them and he would offer them uh, worldly possessions or sometimes sexual favors uh, to sell their soul over to him. And then he would have them sign their name in his book in their blood. And that's how they became a witch. I guess he just left out the bad part. What bad part? Well, like bad things that would happen if you were found out that you were a witch. Well, I mean, I guess that's just like anything else. If you're going to sell your soul to the devil, you probably already know the bad part. <laughs> you're, you're selling your soul to the devil. Well, I mean, I guess so. That's stupid. They're, they were dumb. So in the 1400s, uh, this goes, we're going way back, but we'll kind of catch up to where we're at. But in the 1400s, uh, the Christian churches began a big um, push against the pagans, and they decided they were going to destroy paganism altogether. Uh, over the next 150 years, over 50,000 pagans were burned at the stake and hanged. And But by the late 1600s, roughly, the, everything was kind of taking a change. It was becoming more science-related. And all these kind of witch hunts and the pagan hunts and all that just kind of started slowing down a little bit. Dang, they took it to the extreme when they said they were going to destroy. I thought you were going to be like, hey, no more pagan club. No, they were <laughs> club. <laughs> no, they were tearing up the churches. They were destroying oh all the uh, the statues wow. or any idols they had. Wow. Um, so everything's changing now more scientifically, but not everybody was happy with that. The uh, The Puritans who got their name from the fact that they wanted to live by the purest of values. Mm-hmm. Uh, they followed the Bible to a T. What was written in the Bible was fact as far as they were concerned, and every word of it was meant to be taken exactly as it was written. There was no, uh, um, well, this meant that or that. Yeah, that, no. That, yeah. What it said is what, what it, it is. says. Yeah. So the, the Puritans, obviously, they're they're highly conservative. A lot of people uh, are more familiar with the Amish mm-hmm, today mm-hmm. or the, the Pilgrims back in the day. And those mm-hmm. were basically all Puritans. Okay. So that, again, kind of give you an idea. Um, they founded the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1628. It was uh, run on strict religious principles, as we stated, and based on the whole purification method. Now, the Bible st- clearly states, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, which basically means if there's a witch, kill them. And since they take things exactly the way that the Bible says, that's the way it was set up in their laws. It Gosh. was against the law to be a witch, and it was punishable by death. Why were you a good witch? There were no good witches. There just was none. If you were a witch, you got your dealings from the devil, and that that's was it. that's a no-no. Yeah. Uh, witches were believed to be able to send an unseen shape, or as you're going to hear more and more in this term, specter. <coughs> <laughs> I think they sent a specter after me. <laughs> There's witches. Witches don't want us to get this podcast out. I, I don't think so. <laughs> All right, continue on. Okay, so that word should have been specter <laughs> and not a, a, a Peter Brady version. Um, <laughs> oh, Lord. So they would send out a specter to basically do their evil bidding. And, and uh, so even though that person wasn't there, it was like a um, like a ghost-type likeness of them that would mm-hmm. torment you. So it didn't have to be the person themselves. It could just be their entity, so to speak. So, so that's, like a bully today. Yeah, I guess. But I guess not that drastic but yeah it wouldn't be near as drastic having a ghost an evil ghost come to your house and <laughs> yeah and torment you it wouldn't be near as drastic as a bully on facebook just calling you mean names <laughs> well, i guess okay. not okay all right 
So let's let's get back up to speed all the way to the current year of 1692. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's when all this took place. So we're going to start off in January, and we're in Salem Village. Most people don't realize that there was Salem Town and Salem Village. Salem Village was the newer. It was kind of like a suburb of just, you know, five miles or so past um, the actual um, city of or the town of salem Mm -hmm. and all this mainly took place in the village so that's what we're going to focus on now first and foremost this was a new town there was a new church and there was definitely some contractual dispute over the pastor's salary Um, pastor paris would berate his congregation and try to shame them into paying his salary what a douche and yeah so he didn't know during all this that that his daughters were actually a daughter and, and niece were actually going to be the center of this whole thing. Oh man! So what happens is is Mister. Paris's daughter Betty, uh, she was nine years old, and his niece Abigail, who was eleven, lived with him. They started experiencing these kind of crazy illness gyrations. They were uh, shaking. They were throwing little fits. They were. Um, I mean, it almost seemed like when, when you see in the cartoons and stuff how people have itching powder poured down their back. Oh, and, yeah. And um, they just, it's something that's just really you can't explain. Yeah. It's like they're bending in ways that you shouldn't be able to bend, like when you dance. Um, I'm telling you, you are a hater of my dancing. <laughs> Don't be jelly. But that's what was happening. So they called the doctor in to find out what's going on. And back in these days... If the doctor couldn't figure out what the illness was, which was the case here, he couldn't find anything wrong, the automatic diagnosis was witchcraft. Man, that's a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) And like I said, you know, there there were laws against that, Mm -hmm. so that was a major deal. Now... But wait, who decided that did one person certain person have to decide well okay well they're witches or does this like you know what i'm saying to you no well it's kind of funny because anybody could claim witchcraft and then you would have to have a trial and go through that whole process the only way that you could do a trial and then in, in order to convict you have to have um a confession the only way you can convict somebody without a confession is if two people saw the actual act of witchcraft take place I was going to say, because that's that's some horse crap, because if somebody was just pissed at you that day, oh, man, oh, she's a witch. And that's what you're going to find out happened here. That's, uh, oh. they're, they're, yeah. Uh, so, see, by not knowing the story, you didn't know the story, which I'm used to. Sorry. So, anyways, Damn it. <laughs> much like you're dancing, you're stepping all over my feet. Um, mm-hmm. So, what happens is we're trying to find out who the witch is. And a neighbor suggests... An old folklore method for finding a witch. And Paris's slave woman, Tichaba, she decided that she was going to follow the directions to find this out. Now, what the directions was, was she had to take some meal and some urine from one of the girls. What is meal? You know, like cornmeal. Oh, cornmeal. Yeah. And urine? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she had to take urine from one of the girls and she made a witch cake. Oh, that sounds tasty. Well, then what you do is you feed it to a dog. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the dog should be able to point out the witch. Get out of here. Well, that's what they said. Now, obviously, this is not within the specter of Puritan belief. Uh, This came from folklore of magic, which is definitely not something the Puritans believe in. 
So when when uh, Pastor Paris found out about it, he was pissed, and he went on to the congregation. He had a big meeting about it, and uh, he told the church that you know somebody went to the devil for help against the devil, and that he ordered prayer and fasting to help against the witchcraft. I mean, that makes sense. What's fasting do? I don't know. I mean, what does that prove? As long as they don't have to eat that witch cake, I guess it doesn't Oh, matter. well, I mean, I probably fast too. Dang, well, that's interesting. So then Pastor Paris, and by the way, let's talk a little bit about him. He's 39 years old. He was a failed businessman, and all this is going to make sense in a little bit. He's a failed businessman. He just recently, he had become a pastor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mentioned that there was a, a contract dispute and all that stuff, and some of that all comes into play here. Because what happened was, and... and I mention a lot of stuff. All this stuff that I'm telling you, for the most part, a gentleman by the name of Cotton Mathers, who wrote a book three years earlier on witchcraft, he was kind of commissioned by the governor to write all this stuff down. So he basically chronicled everything that happened. So everything that that we know about the Salem witch trials all came from him. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so we've got some pretty good documentation of what went on. Uh, so let's talk about him real quick, Cotton Mathers. Cotton Mathers was 29 years old. He was asked to write this, obviously, by the uh, by the, the governors just to find out what went on. Now, he had had a situation where he had similar behavior uh, it, it, with some uh, the Goodwin kids back three years earlier, and he wrote a book about it. Now, the Goodwin kids, there was four of them. They said that they were bewitched uh, by a woman by the name of Goody Glover, and you're going to love this. <laughs> she was brought to trial. And she was Irish, though. She only spoke a language called Gaelic. She didn't speak English. They asked her to recite the Lord's Prayer, and no matter how many times she tried, she couldn't do it. They took that as a sign she was a witch, because no way that a witch could recite the Lord's Prayer. had nothing to do with the fact that she didn't speak the language. Oh, man. And 1688, they hung her for being a witch. Well, to see, and that all, is not cool. And and the thing of it is, is the same problem that these Goodwin kids were having is the same problems, the twitching, the gyrating, yeah. the um, screaming out. It was the same thing that's happening to these two young girls in Salem. So that's one of the mm. reasons why they got him involved. They should have had an interpreter. Now, under the, the, the pressure of Pastor Paris to name who was bewitching the girls, they named the most obvious person they could their slave, mm-hmm. Tichaba. Now, her and her husband were described as slaves from Barbados. So they're dark-skinned, um, much like the Indians, mm-hmm. that the Puritans were, that was their natural enemy when they moved here. Because remember, they came here and they took the land from the Indians. Yeah. And we'll get into a little bit of that, but um, so speci- the specific tribe that they had problems with were the, the Wabanakis. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the, the ones that were right there. Now, Puritans looked at Native Americans as devil worshipers. They felt that they didn't have a right to the land uh, because they didn't cultivate it. So if they didn't cultivate it, it was pretty much free land, and they should just come in there and take it. And that's what they did. Now, this obviously didn't sit well with the Wabanakis because <laughs> this was their land. They'd been there. They didn't want to cultivate it. Yeah, they just wanted they to have, have to? They wanted the open land. So one time uh, when the Wabanakis came to town for to, to trade, which they would come in and trade, you know, mm-hmm. they had that relationship, there was a militia group that basically captured them and sold them into slavery. And this really pissed off the uh, 
people in the tribe because mm-hmm. this was a lot of their women and children that they yeah. captured and sold off. So in 1675, the Wabanaki started a series of uh, really kind of heinous and bloody wars against the Puritans and any English that were in that area. In 1676, they attacked a, a, a little camp in Falmouth, Maine, and 23 women and children were killed. Uh, 11 men were killed. Some of them were captured, so they weren't all killed, but 23 women or, and children were killed or captured, and then, like I said, 11 men. There was a three-year-old girl there that survived by the name of Mercy Lewis. Mm-hmm. Now, this is 16 years before all this stuff happened, so she was three years old back then. Most of her relatives were killed during this Indian attack. Yeah. Her mom, dad, cousins, grandpa, all of them were killed. Now we're going to jump back ahead. Mercy's now 18 years old, and she's living in a ser- as a servant in Salem. And she's going to become a key figure of this whole trial thing, and we'll get into that a little more. It's a teaser. Okay. Mercy Lewis now works for the Putnam family, and... She's starting to act bewitched, along with uh, Ann Putnam, who's 12. It's actually Ann Putnam Jr. It's funny, back in these days, they would name juniors after the women, too. Oh, well. So hmm. you had, you know, Ann Putnam Jr. She was 12. Uh, and then you had the mom, which was just Ann Putnam. She's 30. And then you had Mary Walcott, which is her cousin. She was 17. They all started acting bewitched. So they were having, now they're having the same symptoms. Yeah. Uh, the jerking around, the gyrating, all that. This starts spreading like wildfire all over the place. This is like now everybody, not, well, not everybody, it's kind of a stretch, but a bunch of the women, some of them married, some of them kids, mm-hmm. some of them in between, they all start having these problems. And they all blamed Tichaba. So this girl now is ready for legal action. They arrest her. Um, the girls, though, the original girls, the uh, Abigail and um, uh, the other little girl, mm-hmm. his daughter, they were both too young to be able to, I guess, cause legal action. Okay. Because they're, they're minors. Mm-hmm. But now you've got 18, 19, 20-year-old yeah. women, so now they can actually go ahead and arrest this girl. So in March 1692, seven people claimed to be bewitched, and it was all teachable. Federal form, uh, formal complaints were, were charged, and the governor sent down two magistrates from uh, a nearby Salem town, John Hathorne and Jonathan uh, Corwin. Both of them were from the town of Salem, and they wanted to do a preliminary exam uh, to see if a trial was actually warranted. Mm-hmm. Okay, Now, the accusers are asked during this time to point out the witch. All of this is from actual courtroom records, okay? okay? So this is, they asked Teachaba, they pull her, kind of pull her up, and she's on the stand, and they said, what spirit has have you become familiar with um, that would cause you to hurt these children? Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'm, I've not hurting these children. Well, once she says that, the, all the people that were accusing her, they just all of a sudden just kind of start falling on the ground. and all. It's like almost like in unison. And it's like, okay, what's up? Yeah, that's really bizarre. And, and, then they're mo- and then every time they would ask her, you know, something else, they're like, see, why do you hurt these kids? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm not hurting them. And then they would just get louder. You know, in today's courtroom, they would throw them out. Well, yeah. They wouldn't just allow them to do that stuff. But And uh, 
she's like, I, you know, I don't hurt them at all. And, and I've done nothing to cause them any kind of hurt. Well, these guys were good at what they did, mm-hmm. these magistrate guys. And what they decided that they were going to do was they, they get confessions. That's what they do. So they kept hammering her. And finally, she confessed to being a witch. And she not only confessed, but then she says, I'm going to be a witch. I guess I'm going to name some other people, too. So this was like, Ooh, you know, she threw him under the bus. Well, it's kind of like what you said earlier about when you got problems with people. Yeah. And it was not so much her throwing them under the bus as I think she was trying to save her own ass. Mm-hmm. So she not only confessed, she starts telling these other people. She says, there was a tall man in black clothing and he came to me. Sometimes he appeared as a dog and basically told me that he wanted me to be a witch. And to sign his book. And at this point in time, as she's telling the story, now all the people out in the audience that are accused her, they're kind of like they're in a trance. You know, they're just like sitting there blank faces and, you know. Mm-hmm. And she said there was others. She named Goody Osborne and Sarah Good. And she said that she had seen the devil's book and there were other names in it. Now, this was an examination, not a trial, so they couldn't convict, but they could arrest so they arrested Teachaba, Sarah Good. Uh, Sarah was a was basically a beggar who had a very bad temper, so you can kind of see where, where she was named. And then you had uh, Osborne, who was also kind of like a town whore. Oh, because uh, you said it. Well, they said she was of loose morals. What do you expect? And now, obviously, both of these young women say they weren't witches. Um, so she she goes on to name nine witches altogether. Dang. And so they've got two of them. So there's seven more left mm-hmm. that they still got to track down. Now, here's the kicker to this whole thing. They She names Martha Quarry. Now, Martha Quarry is a 60-year-old woman who is a very well-known church member and... She was, by all accounts, of uh, you know, one of the upright citizens in the community. So the fact that she could be a witch meant anybody could be a witch. Uh, now, the only negative she had to her that anybody can point a finger to is she had an uneducated husband who was a pretty profitable farmer uh, and could be a little bit argumentative. And you're going to find out how argumentative a little later in the story. Now, the first three people, obviously, like I said, they named were kind of outcast. You know, you had the slave girl, and you had the, the, the beggar woman, and then you had the woman that was the whore. But, like I said, when you name Martha, man, that's mm-hmm. now it's a whole different level. Now, Ann Putnam Jr., we talked about the Putnams earlier, and Mercy Lewis. Mercy Lewis, keep in mind, was the three-year-old that mm-hmm. survived the, uh, the Indian attack. They claimed that Martha's specter tormented them now remember we said specter earlier was basically she would didn't have to be there she just basically sent a likeness of herself mm-hmm. now, obviously the the devil could take the form when you signed your name in that book the devil could then take your form if, if that's what he wanted to do so that's how all that works now during martha's questioning she denied being a witch of course and uh, the kids were falling on the ground as she was saying this and Acting crazy, acting a fool, as people would say these mm-hmm. days. They was acting up. They've fallen out. Yeah. And she said that she had nothing to do with their actions, and she asked to go pray, which was denied. 
And uh, she asked, she just kind of stood there and she just asked the Lord to kind of open the magistrate's eyes so they could see what was going on, that basically these girls were full of shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they shouldn't be trusted. Um, well, the, unfortunately, back in the day, the magistrates actually relied on spectral evidence. And they would, if somebody said that your spectral came to them, that that was as good as having a witness. Wow. So, yeah, like you said earlier, you could just get pissed off at somebody yeah. and point the finger at them. And that's the kind of stuff that happened. You know, at one time, time during her um, uh, appearance in the courtroom, she kind of bit her lip a little bit. You know how you know, yeah. you'll do kind of during the time of stress? Well, then when she did that, all the other girls out there started biting their lips. Oh. And then, and then, you know, the magistrate's like, quit biting your lip. And then all of a sudden she got mad and clenched her hands. And then all the girls started clenching their hands and moaning. And it was like the, the frustration level yeah. had to be so crazy. But, you know, that's what was going on. This thing, you know, you got to realize once this thing started, it was like a, a, a steam rolling, mm-hmm. you know, train going down the tracks downhill. Yeah. There was no stopping it because... It's just like anything else. You get that um, terror in the town, and then it's like a plague. Mm-hmm. Now there's a panic that's broke out. Yeah. Now you got everybody. And then you got people just because it's the hip thing to do now. You know, yeah. well, I want to be. I want to have be. You know, kind of witchcraft too. I want to or bewitched or whatever the term is. You know, I want to have that same situation. And so then you got all these other people jumping on the bandwagon. So the reality is probably you know. Most of these people had nothing going on. And there's plenty of people that speculate that even the first two girls were just full of shit to begin with trying to get attention. And it was a joke. It went too far. Oh, wow. You know, but we'll get into that a little more. Peer pressure. Um, right. So we're going to jump ahead to April of 1692. We're still at Salem Village. Uh, any sign of anything strange going on at all was witch witchcraft. That's just the way that it was. Now, wild stories were used as legal evidence. There was panic everywhere. By the end of April, there were six more accused. So now there's 10 people in jail. And this is an old, like, wooden barn-type jail. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not really a jail. It wasn't meant for that. It was meant to just kind of hold people for a couple of days. It wasn't meant for long right. term. So during the wintertime, so this all started in January, it was freezing in there. I mean, it was because there was no heat. So it was freezing. And if it got to the summertime, it was going to be sweltering in there during that time. Um, So now you've got the whole thought process that if you're a witch, your family's probably a witch, too. So Sarah Good was not only in jail. Her four-year-old daughter, uh, Dorkins, I swear that's her name. Dorkins? Dorkins. Her Hmm. four-year-old daughter, Dorkins was there and after eight months she went mad what yep i don't understand how a four-year-old can that i don't understand that well because you're eight eight months of in you, a dark room no a, i mean i understand that but i don't understand how could they could just assume that she was gonna be a witch because too? well how could they assume any of this stuff i don't know they're all crazy um so, so she went mad and what happened she died oh the little girl mm-hmm. did yep if you were charged uh, and you were, you know, you were basically as a witch, if you were charged as a witch, you were guilty until proven innocent. And how they would test some of these people <laughs> is, and they didn't, you know, through witchcraft, not just in this situation, because they, none of these really went through that, but a lot of the witch hunts after the fact, uh, or in other parts of the country, they would actually tie a boulder to you and put you in the water. And if you drowned, you were innocent. You weren't oh. a witch. Oh, my God. That Lucky is dumb you. as shit. So, 
That was not a win-win situation at <laughs> no. all. So you were danged if you do, danged yeah. if you don't. Yeah, but, you, that, but at least your name was cleared. Well, that's dumb. I was wondering how they how how could they prove their innocence if they're locked up in a barn somewhere. Now the accused are stripped naked and interrogated. Obviously, now what they were looking for, and I swear this is true, were witches' teats. Their teats. They're looking for teats because you remember. Um, well, I guess you don't remember because I didn't tell this part. But uh, what what ends up happening supposedly if you're a witch, you have other animals that are really familiar to you that are also Satan's little varmints, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, they could be birds, it could be uh, mice, it could be cats, yeah. dogs. But they would come up to you and suck on your teeth. <gasps> and but it's not like necessarily where you think it is. It could be anywhere on their body. It could be just like a little nipple, a random nipple anywhere. Is that where that? That one, what do you call that fetish? <laughs> a, oh. a, a teat fetish? No, no where people do it with animals. No, I think that's called bestiality. That's oh, not that's a, the word. That's not a fetish. That's just a good time I mean, on a, a Saturday night. That's so gross. <laughs> okay, so they would like literally walk up to the person and just start sucking on their teat. Yeah, wherever that teat may be. So that's why they would strip them, because they wanted to see where it would be. Oh, Lord. How embarrassing. Then also, while they were in jail, they got charged for room and board. So if you wanted, like... (laughs) So if you wanted, like, your hay that you slept on to be traded out every week or so, you had to pay for it. If you wanted food and water, you had to pay for it. Oh, my. And, you know, so what happened is, uh, basically, the jerk-off sheriff that they had. His name was George Corwin. He was actually one of the nephews of that magistrate, Corwin. Oh. It's, uh, but he uh, he would, very corrupt type of guy, he would, as soon as these people would be put in jail, he'd start going and getting all their merchandise and stuff in their house and all their belongings. And, you know, it was almost like he was getting rich off this stuff. And uh, so he would confiscate their property and, and uh, um, like I said, almost immediately. He had no legal right to be able to do this, mm-hmm. but they did. And... Some some think that the uh, Corwins actually started this whole witch hunter pursuit. It I guess they didn't start it, but they started pursuing it just to line their own pockets. And yeah, you know, but wouldn't they be afraid if they were witches, they would do something to them for taking their stuff? Well, I mean, you would think they would, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And then there was a bunch of other people that felt like that this was just a way to kind of settle the store mm-hmm. or score with people. Yeah, uh, like you said, just blaming people. You got to remember in 17th century New England. Uh, lawsuits were really big right at the time. And because these people were kind of hands-on type people, they would uh, they rent a lot of fighting and a lot of uh, you know pushing and screaming. That's how yeah. they settled everything. So they were kind of pushed into doing, you know, let's do lawsuits instead. Well, there was tons of lawsuits all the time. So since you couldn't really push anybody and fight anybody, and you can only do lawsuits, you could imagine how this would be a good way to get even with people if you could just mm-hmm. start accusing people of being a witch. What if Morgan and Morgan was there? I don't think they were. <laughs> and I think outside of Lexington, nobody will get that. Oh, I think uh, that's true. <laughs> but the the most common name that were on the lawsuits were the Putnams. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remember, the Putnams were the ones that we talked about earlier that uh, uh, Mercy Lewis now works for. And the, that whole family of women were bewitched, and they were the one that accused Martha Corey. Um, so you've got the, the Putnam family, Thomas Putnam, his wife, Ann, his daughter, and then uh, Mercy, and then his, his niece lived there. They were diverted, devoted churchgoers, and they're also really big supporters of Pastor Paris. Mm-hmm. Now, that's going to really come into play because... Pastor Paris had a lot of people who actually didn't like him. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
He had his, you know, powerful supporters, but he had people that didn't really like him. Now, Thomas and the other Putnams, which pretty much ran things in a town politically, they supported Salem Village having its own church, while some of the other people would rather walk five miles to Salem Town and go to church there. Mm -hmm. Remember I said there was a big uh, dispute about paying... Yeah, the pastor, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's the whole thing. Now, the reason they don't, these people didn't want to pay uh, the pastor because by having this new church and by paying the pastor, they were going to have twice the taxes. Oh, and why okay. have twice the taxes when you could just, yeah, you know, cool. when just walk a short, easy five miles up and back to church on, uh, yeah, I get in it. Salem. I feel you. Now, people who did the Putnam's wrong were basically drug into this witchcraft hunt, mm. oddly enough. Now, Salem, 1680 to 1683, before uh, Pastor Paris came in, there was a minister by the name of George Burroughs. He was 42 years old. He was uh, uh, had been married three times. And like I said, he was the pastor there. And the village started to withhold his salary. So you can see kind of a you know pattern here. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, he couldn't pay his debts. Now, when he couldn't pay his debts, they arrested him because he owed money to Putnam. So they arrested him for not being able to pay his debt. So he went to court over it, and he's like, how can I pay my debts mm-hmm. if, they if the town out. stopped paying me? Yeah. You know, and he said, I can, you know, when the town pays me, I can repay my debts. And eventually that's what happened. He repaid his debts and he got out. But the Putnams felt pretty damn embarrassed over that whole situation. They felt like that he kind of got over on them. Yeah. And just because, you know, even though he was right. They felt like that they were made to look bad, so they didn't, never really got over that. So now we're back in 1692. He's a minister in Maine. He's not even in the same state. And uh, he survived at this point in time. He survived like three or four different Indian attacks. Oh, wow. So he's been a pretty lucky guy. So on April 20th, 1692, Ann Putnam Jr., the little girl, she says that the invisible specter of George Burroughs came to visit her. And he said that he was the leader of the witches. He killed his first two wives, as as well as his uh, predecessor's wife and daughter. Uh, and you know, and he and that uh, he bewitched the soldiers that are actually fighting on the front line right now against the Indian. Oh wow! So, what do they do? They go up there and they grab him. They said, George. They go all the way up to Maine where they don't live. They've got a right to go up there and just grab him. Now we're five months in. Now we're in May of nineteen sixty-two. George has been. Brought to Salem, and he's kind of a smart ass. If you just kind of read the things mm-hmm. about him, he's kind of a likable guy. So he's asked about communion. They ask him when's the last time he basically has taken mm-hmm. uh, partaken in the Lord's Supper, which is communion. And he was like, eh, I don't know, a couple times in the, in the past. You know, one time I went to this church, and they had it there, and I didn't didn't partake and then uh you know a couple weeks ago i was at a service and they had it there and i didn't partake and then they said well is it true that your house is haunted it overran by toads 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 oh and he's like no my house isn't haunted but we do have toads in the summertime (laughs) so they kind of didn't like the fact that he was was really (laughs) now the whole town was fascinated by this whole uh I guess the arrest of George Burroughs. Now, Cotton Matter, we talked about him earlier. He's the guy that wrote the book, and he's documenting all this. Now, Cotton was a, a minister as well, so he kind of knew that George was a renegade, and, and uh, 
he'd been he'd not been formally ordained. Now this is something that's kind of interesting. To be formally ordained by the Puritan Church, you must have an organized congregation and then actually have a formal um, uh, delegation that follows you. And he didn't have that. So even though he was at the church, because it wasn't technically an, an organization and it wasn't uh, uh, a formal allegiance of people signed there, he technically wasn't ordained. So they didn't really look at him as a minister, yeah. even though he was a minister. So the magistrates, once again, they could examine Burrow, but they couldn't convict or, or anything like that. On May 27th, the governor ordered a spectral court and, the, uh, and appointed a jury of uh, men that were mainly just from the next town over. They uh, and then they, he had a, a group of judges. There were three judges, but none of them had any kind of legal training. They were just businessmen too. So they're just okay. You get to be judge <laughs> today. Yeah. And, How come there was no women on the jury? You know, women weren't allowed to do anything back then. They're barely allowed to do anything to keep bonnets on their heads. And no, oh, I guess that's true. That's what's wrong with this whole situation. <laughs> so the chief justice was a guy named William Stoutman. And uh, like I said, he was a lieutenant governor of the colony, a very strict Puritan. And uh, at this time, the courts were way different than like today. Because like I was saying, that you know you couldn't kick people out. They, mm-hmm. at, they didn't have a defense attorney. So the people had to represent themselves. Yeah. Uh, so they're, you know, and then you got to try to represent yourself against what they call spectral evidence of somebody yeah, just kinda, saying they saw you come in a dream or something. Yeah. You know, that's kind of like a lost thin. cause. Yeah. Yeah. So the first case uh, that we heard was Bridget Bishop. She was 50 years old. Uh, Twelve years earlier, she was accused of being a witch, but she beat that rap and got out. One of the witnesses against her was a 32-year-old man named John Louder. Now, John claimed that he, that about a year before that, Bridget came to him in his bedroom, sat on his chest, and it was pretty much like a sleep paralysis thing. He said there was a bright full moon outside, and the reflection of the light coming through was on her face, so he could tell that it was her. And the courtroom was disrupted by people saying that Bridget is tormenting them, and they were getting stuck by pins. Actually, some of them were actually bleeding, um, so it's obvious they had done it to themselves. And in today's court, like I said, we, they would have been kicked out. Wait, but, they were bleeding in the courtroom? Yeah. Oh, gosh. But, you know, they, they didn't kick them out. They they actually looked at it as more as evidence. So on June 2nd of 1692, the first death sentence was actually issued. Uh, on June 10th, Bridget Bishop was hanged. Now, um, hanging, no, it's hanged. Oh. You have to learn your past participles. It's have, hung. have been hung. you got to use like been in oh. order to use hung. That's your English lesson today from Heavenly Horror Stories. Because, you know, <laughs> that, we're the ones that need to be teaching English. Um, hanging was way different back then than what you would have met. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He, <laughs> he hooped in his mouth again. <laughs> Damn Taco Bell. Um <laughs> Hanging was way different back then than what you probably think of with hanging. In most cases with hanging, you see somebody up on the gallows, uh, a trap door drops, their body drops, their neck snaps, and that pretty much does most of the work. Back in these days, 
they didn't have any a setup like that. They would have the person climb up on the ladder, put the noose in there, and then they would basically just pull their legs away from the ladder. So they would technically just sit there and slowly strangle to death. Mm. And depending on how heavy they were, made the decision of how quick they strangled oh, again. Wow! So yeah, it was it was really a, a gross situation compared you know it all hanging's kind of bad but this yeah. was this was even worse because there was no snapping a deck it, it was basically a rope just sitting there strangling you yeah death. that's not good so disgusted by the hanging one of the judge uh judges he resigned and he said you know this is you know in protest and just said hey this is not something that should be going on uh, but they went on and they continued and and they didn't skip a beat <laughs> so the judge's opinion meant nothing. Apparently, Apparently not. not. July 19th, five more women were executed. Sarah Good, uh, Rebecca Nurse, and uh, three more that were from the village, uh, a neighboring village, so it wasn't even from their town. This thing was really starting to stretch out uh, because they would not confess to being a witch or they wouldn't give up names of other witches. So these women were actually, they they went to their deathbed Mm-hmm. Um, basically, knowing that they did the right thing, yeah. they wouldn't they wouldn't throw anybody else under the bus. Yeah. Now, what you're going to start seeing is there was a strange pattern occurring. People like Tichaba who confessed and told names, they weren't convicted, so they wanted more confessions. Um, so they said, "Hey, basically, you give us as many names as you possible, and we're not going to execute you." But obviously, this had to start changing at some point in time. Now, George Burroughs' trial, he was the first person to speak um, against the Putmans. You know, the, now the, he would basically said that he thought it was bullshit and they were just trying to uh, settle a score. Now, their servant, Mercy Lewis, remember, I said she was going to be a central figure in this whole thing. She says that he came to her as a specter and urged her to write in his book or he would kill her. Now, remember, Mercy was three years old and part of this Indian attack uh, that she made it out from where most of her family was killed. And she was later a servant for Mr. Burroughs. Mm. So she was his servant. Now, why is that important? Because he is described as having dark skinned. Many wondered how he was able to escape all these Indian attacks, unscathed, basically. Abigail, Abigail Williams, she called him the little black minister, black like the Indians. Mm-hmm. So most of the Putmans and the, and the Puritans especially saw Indians as the devil. So keep in mind, her whole family was murdered by Indians. He was the same color as these Indians, and she worked for him and didn't like him. So now you've got this three-year-old who lost everybody in her family to Indians, and now she's got a chance to have another dark-skinned guy, and she pretty much lowered the hammer on him. So the court was crowded. Eight people accused Burroughs of tormenting them, and Burroughs basically said that he was innocent and that, you know, they could say, you know, what they want, but he's not a witch. And as far as he's concerned, witches don't even exist. Hmm. So well, he basically just said, hey, I'm not that. And they got that flu. Yep. Wow. No, it didn't fly. Well. But that's what he said. Yeah. August 19th, Burroughs was due to be executed. So Cotton Mathers, who was in Boston, he made the trip up. And just as Burroughs had the noose around his neck, he started reciting the Lord's Prayer. Oh. 
Now, what was it that Cotton Mather said before? A witch couldn't Too say bad. the Lord's yeah. Prayer. He said it over and over, and the crowd was like gasping, and you oh, know they Lord. were like, "Oh my!" And they're actually inching towards him to like get him down. Get him down. Well, it's about that time that Cotton Mather has kind of stopped it, and he reminded them that the devil could take on any shape that he wanted. And he could pretty much do anything. And he and, you know, the devil can present himself as, as lies. Mm. So they hung him. Oh, man, he was so close. And uh, it was all due to Cotton Mathers basically coming in for the hanging and then, you know, proclaiming that the devil could do what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, otherwise, if Cotton hadn't came in, he they would yeah. have spared his life. Yeah. Um, You know, it's it's. Now September 1692, and this is going to be the final and the bloodiest chapter. Nine more people are going to die by the end of the month. But we got Giles Quarry. Remember we had Martha Quarry that I said was the fine, outstanding citizen of the church. And I said she had a husband that was a little bit argumentative, and we would find out why. Well, Charles was actually now brought up on charges. Uh, Abigail Hobbs said that he was a warlock. Mercy Lewis, of course, there she is again. She also testified in court against him. Now, he was, Giles was 81 years old. So he gets into the courtroom, and like I told you, he's kind of argumentative, and they tell him they need him to plead guilty or innocent. He refuses to plead either. How do you do that? He just says, I'm not going to plead, Period. And they ordered him to plead. And he said, no. Well, according to law, back then, they can't convict you or continue on with the trial if you don't plead. No good grief. So what they decided to do, they had a little trick that they would use back then called pressing. Mm -hmm. Pressing is the act of basically laying you down and laying a board or a plank on you and then putting heavy rocks on top of you until you finally just gave in and said what they wanted to say. Whoa. So that's what they did. They ordered him to be pressed. Um, What happened was they would, like I said, they strip him down and do all that stuff. So what happened was when he refused on September 17th, Sheriff Corwin, he's the prick we talked about earlier, he led Corey down to a pit in an open field placed a board on his chest, and he had six different men start laying heavy stones on him one by one on his stomach and his chest area. Um, Corey never made a sound. 81 years old. They're laying all these heavy things. He don't make a peep. And uh, it's funny. This went on over the course of two days, and and over the two days, there were three different times when uh, they would basically say, plead. And every time, he answered the same thing. More weight. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and like I said, this happened, and then uh, on the second day, he actually passed away. But before he did, he cursed Corwin and the whole town. He cursed, like cursed and put a curse on them? Yeah. <gasps> mm. but, which, he wouldn't have witch. I guess that was just his final way of saying you know, Yeah. Something. Hey, this will be fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let him worry the rest of your life. <laughs> Three days later, Martha Corey was hung. And several others that same day. Now, in Boston, several people started kind of uh, seeing this situation and and criticizing the whole witch hunt. So uh, some of the confessed witches even started contending. Even T. 
Tichaba, she went back and said, no, I lied about all that <gasps> stuff. You know, she, she, you know, I named all these people and half of them have been killed Duh. now. But, you know, the bottom line is that when Mar- Marquette Jacobs, um, she actually is one of the ones who sent Burroughs and uh, even her own grandfather to the gallows. What a heifer. And she went back and said, look, I, I'd rather, you know, I, I said this stuff just to save my own life, but I'd, I'd rather die uh, than to keep living a lie. She wrote that in an actual letter that she sent. So a judge just kind of started to cooperate. And uh, he's, so since these people were now recanting their confessions, he just said, well, fine, I'll just start convicting every one of them. And that's what he started doing. By the end of October, the governor did away with the court, the special court that he had had set up. Uh, trials resumed in a regular court, uh, but this is key, spectral evidence now was no longer used. So you couldn't use, oh, somebody came in my dream or, or their image of them came. And that was huge because that's what got most of these people convicted. There were three more convicteds, but the government pretty much reprieved all of them. So he didn't so allow... So you mean, are you not going to sit there and tell me that that woman that lied about all those people didn't get anything? No, she ended up getting freed. But that, get we'll, out! We'll, we'll talk about that later. That's a later story. So when <gasps> when Judge uh, Stoughton, he was the guy from earlier, hears that the judge has reprieved all these people, he is pissed and he starts raging that Satan has you know won and he's advanced in their city and... Um, so three months later, 49 people that had been accused are now released. Three people died in jail waiting Aww. during this that didn't, you know. Tichaba is released. She's the one that was the start of all this as far as the first one accused. A year after her arrest, and she got released to a new master because her master, Paris, Pastor Paris, Master Pastor Paris, <laughs> um, he refused to pay any of her jail expenses. So she got bought basically by somebody else by them just paying her jail expenses because i told you they had to pay when it was all said and done 24 people were executed from january till october 1697 samuel sewell he was a judge he asked um for the people's prayers and he said that you know that hopefully their past sins will not damage uh the future usa you know, so what happened is you started realize people started realizing after the fact that they kind of screwed up. So the people that were involved, they all started kind of stepping up, and this went on because I mean this was 1692, so it took 1697, five years later, before one of the judges stepped up and said, "Hey, you know, let's let's learn from this and let's move on." In 1703, most of the evidence uh, was thrown out by the um, the actual court right there in the Colony Bay, Massachusetts, of what they were used to convict it. They threw most of that stuff out. I mean, it's too little too late. People are already dead. But it was stricken, stricken from the record books yeah. as evidence. In 1706, uh, 24-year-old Ann Putnam now, Jr., which she was only 12 at the time, she makes a formal apology to the church and to the families of the ones she helped execute. She said that, I did it not out of malice, anger or ill will towards any person. What I did was done strictly because my morality was deluded by Satan. That was nice of her step up. You know, yeah. Only, hey. only several people died because of her doings. <laughs> Whatever. In 1711, the colony pays monetary uh, payment 
and compensation to the families of those. Uh, the sheriff, though, he, he stole all that stuff. He never even had to pay anything back. No, no kind of disciplinary action. What a jerk. And uh, Hathorne, who was the uh, the first magistrate that was in town that was all this, he continued to live in Salem and never had anything else to say about the trial, never apologized, never said it was wrong. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I'm still waiting to hear what happened to Desheba. Or whatever the hell her name Teachable. was. She was Teachable. just re- she was released to another master. And that's all she got. That's all she got. Oh my lord. Now Cotton Mathers eventually did say that he regretted the incident and the lives that had been taken. And but he said, you know, who is to blame? Is it the Puritans or is it Satan? So he kinda left it kind of open ended for that. Um Butthole. Now, so with this being said, what do you think really happened in this case with the whole witch trials? I mean, what do you think started it? Do you think it's something that got just completely out of hand? Do you think it was all a bunch of BS? I mean, what is your take on the situation? I mean, I, f- I feel like it really happened. And I think it's a bunch of crap that you can just say, oh, she, 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 and she did, you know, or witches as well. And... In the end, I'm kind of pissed because nothing happened to Toshiba. Teachaba. Teachaba. Yeah, she's not a TV. <laughs> Whatever her name is. I mean, that's crap. So many people lost their lives if that it's the case. But do you think there was actual real, real witchcraft going on? Or do you think these girls actually had something medical going on with no, them? Or do you think they, they just made it ivy. all up? I think they had poison ivy is what I think. And they were gyrating all around. Maybe that was a new dance move. I don't know. Oh, if they didn't even let them dance in like... Uh, well, it was footloose. I mean, how do you think dancing would be looked at in this area? Well, come on now. I mean, I don't know. I just think it's kind of hard. If, it feels like it's far-fetched, but, again, you just you really don't know. And I, I can't imagine, I mean, imagine living back in those times. I mean, I would honestly, I would just stay in my dang house, not ever come out, and that way they couldn't accuse me of being a witch. Well, I'll just pe- be a... People, Hermit. people back then. Well, see, but the hermits were the ones that were accused of being the witches. Oh. The outcasts were the ones that were the first called. Oh, so you well, really couldn't. I don't want to be a hermit. I just want you to leave me alone. And if you remember back from the Mall Dyer, go fishing or something. Stories. She lived out in a town, uh, out in the yeah, woods, all I, yeah, by, herself by herself, and didn't bother anybody. And well, see, it's a, again, it's a no-win situation in this in this time. But I really feel bad. I mean, for you know. Like, even today, people that might be on death row may have had absolutely nothing to do with whatever, but you just never know. Well, here's my take on the whole thing, and then I'm going to give you somebody else's take. I basically think that it was just a bunch of uh, a couple of little young girls that had nothing better to do with their time and wanted some attention, and then it got out of hand. And once they started the little deal and then it started becoming, oh, my God, now they're saying it's witchcraft. Oh, we could be accused of being witches. Mm-hmm. We got to name somebody. And I think it just got out of hand. And, See, and then, I wouldn't even have looked at it that way. That's so funny. And But let's ha- let's talk about how Linda Caporell looks at it. Linda Caporell was, is actually a, um, a college student in the, in the early 70s. And she starts doing some research and she starts talking about the afflictions that these girls had. Mm-hmm. And then remember, we talked about the same thing happened uh, with the, the, the girls three years before mm-hmm. that had caused that young, the uh, Irish lady to be accused of witch and be hung. It was a similar symptoms. Well, what she found out when she was doing some studying 
is that the symptoms they had, the hallucinations, the um, the gyrating, the jerking, the the quick, sharp pains. Mushrooms. Sort of. It's actually a sign of uh, similar to what you would get from LSD. Oh wow! And what she found out was that there was a there was something called ergot poisoning. Ergot poisoning is a fungus that grows on rye and other grains, mm-hmm. but rye was the choice of grain used in Salem. And the the winter before that, it was actually a very um, wet winter. Mm-hmm. So that would make sense that there would be more. You know, that this stuff would grow on, yeah. on and that's what they would have been using at this time. It would have been that those crops. And she seems to think that this is just a situation of them eating the rye bread and having so many people having these because they had ergot poisoning. Wow. Which is, like I said, it's, the, it's pretty much the same as the fact as taking LSD. Dang. That's like a whole other twist on the whole story. Because yeah, LSD is a derivative of ergot. And uh, like I said, it's, it's just something that she came up with. And uh, it says here that toxicologists now know that eating ergot-contaminated food can lead to a convulsive disorder characterized by violent muscle spasms, vomiting, delusions, hallucinations crawling sensations on the skin, and a host of other symptoms, all of which were problems. Which what they had, yeah. Of what they had. Oh, man. So it's like, you know, when you start looking at it, it's like I said, the, the rye crop consumed in the winter of 1691-92, uh, uh, when the first unusual symptoms began to be reported, could easily have been contaminated by large quantities of ergot from the summer of 1692. So... Well, I mean, I kind of understand that, but why didn't it, well... Well, they didn't know about that back then. They would see they would see the dark colors on the grain, mm-hmm. but they assumed that was just where it got baked kind of out in the sun. Yeah, they but didn't. wouldn't everybody eat the same thing? I mean, if that's all they ate was rye bread? Well, or? now, see, that's, that's a good question, and that's what brings up... Uh, that's why I don't believe in this theory. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying something like this couldn't happen, but, yeah, why wouldn't more people affect yeah. it? Why was it primarily just the women that were affected? Um, and, and if you've got, you can't, the, even if that was the case, some of these instances, it was almost like it was, it would start and then it would stop when they wanted. They would just make it start right there, like in the courtroom, and mm-hmm. then it would go away. If you really had ergot, ergot poisoning, you couldn't just stop, stop it. Stop like it, that. yeah, there's no way. So that, And I think that's what most people's thoughts are on it, is that they controlled this way more than mm-hmm. what you could have done if it was an actual illness man that's some scary stuff right there so how about that so that's the story yeah that's so interesting and i just oh just to think that somebody could just whatever point a finger and say oh well yep she's a witch there you are out there dangling off a limb somewhere yep absolutely um this was fun because, like I said, I thought this was, this was going to be a lot of information that most people probably hadn't heard yeah, about it and give you some little tips on how they hung people and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. that's always good right before you go to bed. No, yeah. Um, we did a contest last week where we told you to go back and look at the Aleister Crowley show, and I was, we're going to give a uh, trivia question, and we had two winners on that. So congrats to you guys for um, winning the contest, and we're going to do it again this week. So what we're going to do, I've got another DVD of Hillbilly Horror Show to give out. That's our little sister friend show that just happened to be named almost similar to us. I know. How weird is that? 
But we got one more DVD to give out next week, so we're going to do this one this week and one more next week. What I want you to do, I've determined, is we're going to go back and have you listen to Episode 9, the first rock and roll and the occult show. And I'm going to post a trivia question uh, sometime tomorrow night. I'll probably do it later because I've got we got people all over the world, and, and I posted it, and uh, the people that live in like Australia and uh, and um, parts of Germany and stuff like that, the, the time difference didn't give them a chance. So I'll probably start it a little later, but we are going to release that tomorrow night, and the first one who answers correctly will win. Uh, thank you guys for the support of Patreon. We did release that first listeners episode. Uh, anybody who signs up the rest of the month, obviously will get that on the 15th. We are going to release another show. That's going to be part paranormal, part true crime, but have probably three, four or five stories in it. That's what you guys had requested. Uh, remember on Patreon, all you got to do is go to our, um, uh, Hillbilly Horror Stories website. Go to the donate page. You can make a one-time donation if you'd rather do that. Or if you want to do Patreon, you get these extra bonuses of a couple extra shows. And some of them you get T-shirts and stuff like that. You can look at them on there. I won't bore you with details. Uh, We appreciate everything you guys have done. We had a bunch of people order T-shirts. And uh, we're excited about that. So remember, if you have gotten a T-shirt already, please take a picture and send it to our Facebook page. And then we'll share it around social media. Yeah, please do. We look forward to seeing those. Once again, keep all, all the people in uh, in London in your prayers and your thoughts. And uh, we also, Sarah Roscoe, uh, she actually is, is a fantastic uh, fan of the show, and she was just on our first listener episode, and she's actually going through some medical situations right now. She got a little bit of bad news yesterday. You guys keep her in your thoughts and prayers as well. Okay, Sarah, we're praying for you, baby. All right. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you next week. Love one another. Have a great week, guys. And uh, if you want to, send a tweet out to the girls from uh, And That's Holy Drink. Tell them you're excited about having them on the show next week. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.